0: And be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds argue with each other. (laughs) All right. We're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. (laughs) You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, a Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. So there was two movies that have come out recently, uh, one of which did a dual release. Uh, it, It went to theaters and it also was on HBO Max. That, of course, is the movie The Menu. Oh, that's uh, which right. stars Ralph Fiennes,
1: Anya Taylor Joy. You told me about this, and I have been hearing other people talking about it with like no details, but definitely mixed reactions.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I'm very surprised at the reactions to this movie um, because I watched this movie. And one, I was like, yes, this is exactly how high-end chefs uh, act. Like, this is what I see of that world, the tour, like the high-end tour world. I don't know, what is oh. what is the term? Because foodie isn't the term. Like, foodie is like the pedestrian level. Like, what is, what is the word? Are you thinking of gastronomy? That is exactly <laughs> the word I'm thinking I of.
1: I actually remember seeing the original trilogy for this and thinking that it was going to be absolutely bonkers. Nicholas Holt is in it. Uh, Nicholas Holt, yeah, love Nicholas Holt. <laughs> he,
0: he's he's a uh, man. He's a character in this movie. John let me Leguizamo,
1: tell you. who the uh, the last yep. time I saw John Leguizamo, he was trying to murder Santa Claus, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that wasn't even in a movie. It's just what he was doing. <laughs> He was just at a mall (laughs) in, like, San Jose. (laughs) I
1: I just, you know, there's going to come a time when John Leguizamo, he's going to snap, and he's just going to try to murder Santa Claus. And you know what? Like, I'm I'm not speaking ill of John Leguizamo. Don't at me. I love John Leguizamo. I just know that, like, someday it's going to happen. And, like, we're all going to be like, yeah, we saw that coming. Yeah, You'd be like, oh, yeah,
0: oh, right, John Lewis, oh, yeah, totally killed Santa Claus. That's exactly. But like, we'll, well, that's
1: how we'll learn that Santa Claus was actually real all along, because he'll succeed. And it won't because be, he'll like, have a mall killed, Santa yeah. or, like, just some random, like old old grandpa joe that looks like santa no it will be the actual saint nicholas from the north pole he'll come back holding his like the bloody stump of his head and be like yeah yeah christmas is canceled motherfuckers (laughs) tosses the ground (laughs) where's your saint nick now (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah,
1: a string of like rudolph or like of of reindeer antlers around his neck
0: (laughs) now that's the movie where you have to get that's like the 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 uh e- e- so for those of you guys who watch uh the teen titans go series or uh uh or have kids that do uh santa is the villain in teen titans go he's a bad guy oh, and they're constantly having to fight him because he comes with like missiles and stuff like that it's like, so like
1: the- <laughs> yeah <I laughs> love, yes love the idea of evil santa claus evil
0: santa it. claus is it's just a very funny it's a very I, it's a really good idea and you know bringing it back to the menu i think ralph fines has to play evil santa claus i'd be into
1: that i would absolutely be into that yeah <laughs> i think honestly i think the entire mythos of santa really lends itself lends itself well to a villain arc like yeah maybe like starts out trying to do good for the world but like Just all of that work and, like, the the thankless effort just, like, finally grinds him down. And, like, you know, we see, like, you know, I was obviously referencing Violent Night and Violent Night is a story that starts with Santa being ready to just, like, throw in the towel and be done forever uh yeah. but like take that one logical step forward and instead of being ready to give up he just fucking snaps
0: <laughs> and just goes on a killing spree that is that is the the more plausible santa story yeah. uh in my mind yeah. is that eventually he would just snap and be like oh i can visit every home over the course of 12 hours uh in the entire planet well guess it's, what <laughs> it's
1: gonna finally be a Santa a silent night for old saint nick <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the tagline. Uh, but anyway, so The Menu is is a wild film, but it, there is so many elements of the movie. Now, here's the thing that might be surprising to you. Uh, maybe you've watched a trailer for it, and if you have, then this won't be surprising. But if you've only heard about the movie or seen images or whatever, The Menu is a horror film. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that like I think a lot of people might find surprising if they didn't watch the trailer where they say straight up, like, "Hey, you're gonna die uh, in this in this restaurant," um, but the menu is a horror film, and it was a really, really well done film. Because the tension was there for the entire movie. Now I'm not gonna spoil things. It it ends really cool, uh, and not in the way you think it would. Um, so I'm not gonna spoil any of that. Go watch it. It's on HBO Max, it's in theaters, it w- was in theaters, it may not be anymore for for by the time you listen to this episode. Um But watch the movie. I actually really enjoyed myself. But again, I watched this movie and even with all the batshit things that happened and I'm like, this is exactly what the world of gastronomy is like. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how these people actually are. Mm -hmm. And like, it's crazy. Like, they're they're looney tunes. It's magnificent.
1: I I mean it it's an absolutely bonkers world of like high-end food and like high-end chefs. It like, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's also a part of me that loves every part of it. Uh, especially like the more I watch like cooking competitions and I watch these people like, like really try to like outdo each other with the weirdest shit. And I'm like, I would never put that anywhere near my mouth, but I love watching you make it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And w- the one thing I do really like about the menu is, you know, if, if you go into a, uh, to any high end restaurant, like even not even like the the crazy, you know, no prices on the menu uh, type restaurants, but even some that are just pricey, you know, that uh, food comes in courses, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's a flight of a, of a meal and there's like different levels of it. Um, what's cool about the menu is that each section of the movie is is chapter marked with each course. Nice, and I thought that was really cool because when you look at it in the big picture, you're like, "Oh my god, yes!" I see, I see, I see the theme you built with. You know, like how you're supposed to see it in those sort of high end restaurants. One of my favorite
1: restaurants in this area that I, I stumbled across when uh, my old boss was in town and he was going to be paying. So you know, like he was a big foodie, and I'm like, well, I've got this place I've been wanting to check out. He's like, "Let's go," and we went. It was amazing, and. <clears throat> Uh, pre COVID, uh, they were very big on just like doing like family style ordering. Like you just pick whatever you wanted off the menu and they would just bring it to you. And like, you just serve yourselves out of a a plate in the the center and just share. And you could just have this like communal social experience over this really, really high end, like kind of farm to table type type food, bougie, expensive, uh, you know, special occasion sort of restaurant, but like just some of the best quality food I've ever had. Um, post COVID, they moved to more of like a, a prefix type uh, where like you, you pay ahead of time for what they call like the farmer's feast or whatever. Um, it's like 75 bucks a head and you, you let them know any dietary restrictions you have. Um, uh, but otherwise you sit down and they just serve you whatever the chef feels like making that day. And so like you might be sitting, you know, 10 feet away from another table, uh, having essentially the same type of experience, but the food that's being presented to you might be just ever so slightly different, uh, where one course or one person's like entree course might be like really meat heavy and another course might be like all plant-based or might be like, you know, gluten-free or something like that. Or, like, so it's like this very similar presentation style going on all around you, but the food is very different. And I just, I love that experience. Uh, there is definitely a high level of pretense to it though.
0: <laughs> so once again, this goes to my recommendation. You absolutely need to watch the menu I will watch because it. I think it is, it is on a level that I think you will appreciate um, Because of that sort of food experience that mm-hmm. like and, and especially when Ralph Fiennes like really starts getting it because he's the head chef in the movie. I, when he really starts getting into it, you're going to be like, yes, yes, exactly. He, like
1: He is absolutely believable as a high end chef too. just like just yeah. just knowing him as an actor and like even just seeing the still images like, yeah, he, he carries himself exactly like someone who would be running a restaurant like this. So uh, oh. very interested in watching it.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. And then, so outside of that, another big movie that has come out, and this is probably the biggest movie that has come out in the past week, and that is uh, our uh, loving, viral android girl, Megan. Uh, so <laughs> Megan is a is a Blumhouse uh, film. Uh, you know, this is with all the other Blumhouse horror films that have come out over the yeah, past yeah. couple of years, uh, like Annabelle and all those sort of things. Those fucking lovable weirdos. Yeah. And so Megan, uh, Megan is the story of a, uh, lifelike Android doll that was designed for, uh, children. They don't install the robot, the, uh, three, Isomov's three laws. Uh, and of course, you know, Megan goes on a killing spree. (laughs) The thing about Megan is it's first off, it's only rated PG 13. It really is not a violent movie. Interesting. Like, okay. There's only a couple of kills in the movie, and they're not gory uh, by any means. That's good to know. Um, yeah, it really isn't. It's not a jump scare movie. It's not a, a very violent movie. You know, like I said, PG-13. What What makes this movie so charming is its batshit story. Okay. It's just so like. Every, like, you know, like, it's a predictable movie. Like, honestly, like, you know, I I went and saw the movie and I was like, okay, that's going to be important. That's a thing. We're going to talk about that again. Like, oh, you're about to do this. And it was fine. And I predicted every single thing that was going to happen in this movie, but I had a blast the entire time because it's absurdist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's where this type of movie really wins out is because, like... You know, listen, uh, you know, child's play, Chucky, you know, doll, murderous doll kills a family except for the kid and the kid's the only one that could save the day or whatever like that, which is not how this, uh, you know, Megan ends necessarily. But, uh, you know, this is, it's, it's worn territory, right? Yeah. Like we know, we know the story. Sure. This isn't a new story. We just upgraded it to modern technology. Sure. But the journey that you take to get there is was probably one of like the best horror absurdist uh experiences I've had in a really long time. Even though I knew exactly where it was going, I was like this is really fun. It was just a really really fun movie. Interesting.
1: Yeah, th- yeah, I was I was curious about that when I first saw the trailer because it does look interesting. But there's a part of me that's like, if this is just digital Chucky, I'm not interested. But but like the way you're describing it sounds more in line with what my first impression was from watching the trailer. Uh, And I am more interested in watching it after hearing that.
0: Oh yeah, I highly recommend it. it is so so the big news about this movie, you know, uh I'm going to I'm giving estimated numbers because at the time of recording this episode, the weekend wasn't over yet, so we don't fully know what uh Megan made on its opening weekend, but the estimation is that Megan made a little over $30 million on its opening weekend, which regardless of whatever, is really impressive considering that Avatar 2 is out right now and that movie has made $1.7 billion and it's only been out for two weeks. Like, it's up against one of the largest movies in 10 years.
1: That blows my fucking mind that... Same, yeah. Honestly, that anyone was interested in watching uh, an Avatar sequel, but particularly that enough people were for it to bring in that much money. $1.7 One point
0: seven billion dollars in two weeks. Is that even still enough to make back its budget? What was? It? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it it is. Uh, it has turned a profit now B- between budget and marketing. I think it was like eight hundred million or nine hundred million or something. Jesus. So, like, yes, it's it's definitely uh, made a profit. And you know, number three and four are in the works right now. Um, right. to be made.
1: I'm not trying to to stifle art and creativity here. Uh, And if James Cameron Mm. wants to make 19 of his, like, dances with blue water wolf people, (laughs) uh, then fine, go ahead, I guess. But there's a lot better uses of a billion dollars a pop. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just I, I just feel like there's better movies. Like if we're if we're gonna do a billion dollars, like there are, are there are other better movies, more original story, meaningful movies we could be blowing a billion dollars on. You think of like how many
1: like how many like decent indie budget films could have been made with a nine hundred million dollar like lump sum? You think of like let's say let's say five million dollars is a good indie budget divide nine hundred nine yeah. hundred million 900 million by 5 million 900 by 5 and like think of how many like amazing like smaller creator studio films uh could have been released for that same budget that would have been significantly better than a sequel to avatar the the 10 movie, years later the movie that literally ruined 3d movies forever for me
0: and the world. Because after Avatar, uh, there were no... three Like, 3D movies stopped being a thing. They stopped really offering them in a lot of places. It was still available. But, like, people stopped making movies in 3D because they were like, no one's... Either one, you're never going to be at the level of Avatar, you know, with a James Cameron budget or two. Nobody went and saw any 3D movies except for Avatar. <laughs> it's
1: just like, I, for a while, was seeing any movie in 3D that I possibly could. Like, I saw... What was it, Monsters versus Aliens that like animated? Yeah, film? I saw that one. I saw yep. that in 3D. Like, I literally, if 3D was an option for like a period of probably like five years, uh, I did it. And like, that was after being a holdout of initiative, being like, I don't know, it's too expensive. I don't want to put on different glasses. I got to fuck it. Like, ah, it's going to give me a headache. Uh, but like, at a certain point, and I don't know, it might have been the, the just bizarro experience of going to see My Bloody Valentine 3D with my old boss from the collections agency yes. uh, that might have kicked it off for me. I don't know. But there was a period of time where, like, if 3D was an option, I did it. And then Avatar was so bad and gave me such a brutal migraine that I never saw another 3D movie again. Yeah, uh,
0: I mean, that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good, uh, villain origin story really for, uh, your crusade against 3d movies.
1: It's, it's, I mean, it's more a crusade against the avatar franchise than against 3d movies. But like if, if taking down 3d movies is what it takes to take down James Cameron, uh, then, you know, collateral damage, man.
0: <laughs> We're coming for you. That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, for a billion dollars, he could have made a remake or a, or a, a sequel to Abyss, which yeah. was an amazing, amazingly underrated movie. Yeah, uh, like we could have had an, a sequel to Abyss, but instead we got Avatar two. Or he maybe, maybe, just maybe,
1: could have like invested in an original story and not yeah. done a sequel to a retelling of something that's already been done a hundred times on film and throughout human history, like thousands of more times the same, you know, white savior story. <laughs>
0: Right, shit. You you pay Brie and I five hundred thousand dollars. We'll write you a great movie, Absolutely. original movie, Absolutely. right now. We don't right. even need
1: a billion dollars right now. And, and you know what? You know what? You're, if you want to make a sequel to any of those, like the exact same like copy paste uh, storyline. Give me a Dances with Wolves too. No, sorry, not Dances with Wolves. It's, that's the, the the foundation for this. I mean, give me that. Give me like old Kevin Costner. But no, give me give me Last Samurai with an old and just like completely unhinged Tom Cruise. Yeah. Give me new Tom Cruise
0: in a Last Samurai. In a Last Samurai, but as an older, <laughs> but even though he looks exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Give me that's that. that's the story.
1: That's that's the decade I, long sequel I've been waiting for. Uh but speaking of like big budget original stellar storytelling, uh, going back over to, to HBO Max for a moment, uh, we just wrapped on season three of Historic Materials last night. And series finale, right? series finale, yeah, yeah. Which uh although there was Ever so slightly, an implication that they might be willing to explore some of the other stories in this universe. So, his Dark Materials was a trilogy of three books: um, the Golden Compass, or if in, the U- in the UK, it was called Northern Lights, the Subtle Knife, and the Amber Spyglass. Yes, that is his Dark Materials. Uh, Pullman did later write a series of three, like shorter, kind of novella-type books that, like, fleshed out little stories in this universe, one about Lyra shortly after uh, the events of His Dark Materials, one about, uh, like, Lee Scoresby in the North, uh, and one that, I, if I remember correctly, because it's been a little bit since I read it, was set kind of before the events of uh, His Dark Materials. And he's, he's written some other, like, kind of short stories in this world, really flesh it out. He has been since working on a second, well, I guess a third, technically, trilogy called The Book of Dust, uh, which, like, the first one is set it tells you the the story of you know Lyra's birth and uh, as a baby and like why she's so important and then the second and eventually the third one it released it will tell like the story of Lyra grown up in her 20s and having further adventures that carry on from the story of his dark materials really cool there's an implication at the very end that maybe we'll see more of the story uh I don't know but uh, I'm definitely open to that. Uh, the, no spoilers whatsoever. I, w- I will give no details because I know a lot of people are still watching it. Uh, I thought that the entirety of this three season series was just fantastically well done. Just beautiful, beautiful uh, visuals. The writing was Uh, reasonably true to the, to the original story. Uh, one of them, one of the truest adaptations I've seen, uh, of anything in a very long time. Casting was brilliant. Loved it. Loved it. Um, I had some really minor complaints with like the last like two or three episodes. There were some things that I think like, it wasn't that they were done poorly as that I thought they could have been done better. There's like some things that were changed from the books or some things that just like didn't translate terribly well from page to screen, but not enough to take away from the experience. Like we're this isn't a foundation experience here, where like the whole thing's just fucked from episode one. Uh, this was a really like faithful, true, beautiful adaptation and just left me sobbing at the end, just like the books do. Uh, so absolutely hundred percent recommend. I mean, if, if you, have read the books. Uh, I think you'll you'll really enjoy the the adaptation. If you haven't read the books, the show stands on its own, and you will still get a, a really good experience out of it, in my opinion.
0: Uh, as someone who has not read the books but has uh, watched the first couple of episodes, um, I thought it was. Re- I think it's a really interesting show. It's beautiful mm-hmm, looking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really interesting show. I think it's a really interesting concept. The idea of dust and dust is basically leftover. Well if what I know so far of three episodes dust is the leftover between dimensions of different parallel worlds or whatever um don't know if that's what it actually is but that's the implication I got from the first couple episodes is that you know I think that's a really interesting theory you know where we see someone step into technically our world and then step out into back into their fantasy world mm-hmm. um I was like okay cool I like this
1: you, I the the one thing I will say is that they they give an explanation for dust and it is a reasonably satisfying one uh but this is one of the things where i feel like they could have gone into even more depth and like really given us the the details cuz Pullman like really fleshes out his whole philosophy across this the original trilogy like really gives it to us like hammers hard on the religious elements hammers hard on the human elements and does a really really great job with the storytelling <clears throat> uh and, and in particular there's uh, there is one character's story that ends well and ends heroically in the end of the book but or in the end of the the move the series, but is compared to his storyline in the books is just like, that could have been so much more powerful if you had given us more about him and about what exactly is happening in this moment. And the same goes with their explanations of dust. It is sufficient, but it is not as powerful as it could have been. And that's, that's really where my critiques of the series lie, is not that they did a bad job, but there are things that they could have done better.
0: You wanted more of, yeah, yeah better the, of...
1: The depth yep. and the power and the emotion that comes from the story that that Pullman wrote. Uh, I think he's mostly translated really well onto the screen, but like, there are just, there are times when it's lacking.
0: Well, uh, so there's at least two things on HBO max you guys could be watching right now is the menu and, uh, his dark materials. If you haven't, there's three seasons, uh, worth of, of material. Yeah. What are you you doing Uh, on
1: YouTube? Yeah,
0: go to HBO right now. (laughs) Go to HBO Max right now. uh, Or go out and see Megan, then go home and watch uh, the other things when you get home. Uh, Speaking of which, hey, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, comment down below. What did you think of Megan? What did you think of His Dark Materials? Uh, what did you think of the menu? Yeah. Uh, what else is happening that we should know about? Yeah, you know, obviously, are, if you stumble across this video a year later, you're going to be like, you idiots. Why aren't you talking about, I don't know, like, <laughs> uh, low key season two? You'd be like, well, because, you know, we we did eventually with with uh, the Super Pod Hero cast guys. <laughs> it's, true. Uh, it's true. It's true. We did uh, or will have done. Um, but yeah, let us know. You know, comment down below. And if you're listening on your podcast player of choice, hey, hit that subscribe button again. We have brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Sundays are uh, re- movie review episodes uh, of movies you've likely never heard of. This Sunday, we are doing the Blackout Invasion Earth, another uh, Russian alien film. Um, that movie is available streaming on Tubi TV for free, no sign up required. You just type in Tubi TV, type in the name of the movie, and watch with ads um so that's so if you're the type of person that watches movies before we review them that is where to go if you're gonna wait and hear what we think of it before you uh do it hey we'll see you sunday hit that subscribe button you'll get notified when the episode drops sure will. it's just that simple that's how it works that's how it works and you know hey leave a rating and review it's how other people find us and help us grow and you know you know how podcasts work we're not your only podcast we know how this works you know how they work leave a rating and review. It helps and tell a friend to do the same. Cuz that's stuff. Yeah. And we appreciate you. We do. And we do. Thank thank you for listening.
1: If you if you have read or watched his our materials, you know the importance of telling them stories.
0: Yeah. Uh one last thing before we leave you, we have 7 episodes left until our 5 year anniversary. Gosh. 5 years we've been doing this. That is that is one movie review a minimum of one movie review every week, every week without fail for the past 5 years. That is over 300, well it's 263 movies we have reviewed so far since we started. Just, uh movies you've likely never heard of. Just absolutely
1: wacky to me.
0: It is is crazy that we're still doing this. And then like, you know, it, with no stop. <laughs>
1: I didn't, uh, I didn't mention this in, in our upcoming review of uh, The Blackout Invasion Earth, uh, but there are plenty of times where our very first episode is still informing how I watch movies uh, to the point where in a, a climactic battle scene, all I could find myself thinking was, why don't they just throw the guns? Just throw the gun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to episode one. You'll get that joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so, Hey, there it is. Uh, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to this bonus episode or watching this bonus episode. If you're over on YouTube, we super appreciate it. You know, uh, thanks a lot for joining and we will see you on Sunday.